I believe it's something like scary 97% of businesses do not have themselves set up for success when it comes to data quality. If you're not on top of it, which a lot of businesses aren't and don't monitor the data quality, 20 to 30% of your data will go bad each year. Hello, and welcome to the Noble Marketing Ideacast. I'm Becky Holland. You're listening to the Noble Marketing Ideacast, a great way to spend approximately 20 to 30 minutes hearing interesting people talking about inspirational stuff, except, uh, yeah, all right, okay. So this episode is actually all about data quality. (laughs) Well, we will try to make it fun. Hello, and welcome to the Noble Marketing Ideacast. Thank you for having me. Very kind of you. <laughs> Always a pleasure and never a chore. Always. Cool. Um, so um, my guest today is Alastair Moore. Alastair is the uh, CEO and co-founder of IDS, who are a, I'm going to say, a very exciting, fascinating data quality business, which might sound like an oxymoron, but it's true. Data quality is very, very important for the world, for CEOs, for marketers, for everybody. So talk to us a little bit about what's going on why you know why is why is data so important at the moment we're in a world where stuff's changing all the time but data can never be up to date sure early it's always changing so we just don't need to worry about it the only thing that's ever consistent in life becky is change and like you said everything is constantly changing you start out by saying data is important i think that sentence needs to be changed to the right Data is important. I put a post out the other day on LinkedIn around hiring people and saying the right people are essential to your business, not people are essential to your business. And what I mean by that is you've got to have, like you do the right people on the bus to go on the destination with your business, you need the right data or the right level of data, quality of data, accuracy of data to ensure you can make the right decisions as a business to grow, scale and be robust. And it's exactly the same thing with anything you do in life. It's about quality, not quantity. But isn't that just good business practice? So, I mean, the audience here on this podcast are CMOs, marketing directors, people that deal with data every day. They're sending emails. They're looking at CRM. They're looking at sales data. Like, it has to be set up right in the first place in order to be able to even even function. So isn't that just the, the baseline? I suppose when you say the baseline, if you went – and Gartner have done surveys and other organisations have done surveys. I believe it's something like scary 97% of businesses do not have themselves set up for success when it comes to data quality. 97% don't have themselves set up for data quality. That's nuts. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, well, you say it's nuts, but I want to check my facts because obviously this is a live recording and it might be so <laughs> the good old Google. Lift music, elevator music while we wait for the stats. This is a challenge, right? If you're listening to this podcast, see if you can come up with the answer quicker than we can. Make your own podcast about data quality. Send it to us. Uh, 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 uh. A survey from Experian found similar results. You can expect 20 to 30% of your organization's contact data to go bad each year. So technically saying that means every business in the world has data quality issues effectively, by what they're saying, because they're saying if you're not on top of it, which a lot of businesses aren't and don't monitor the data quality, 
20 to 30% of your data will go bad each year. So you, this is a full-time job. For- so it's a full-time job. So saying your baseline is set up or it should be a baseline, yes, it should, but organisations don't have it as a baseline. Uh, I'm just seeing what other stats come up or anything else come up. Only 3% of companies meet basic quality standards. Nearly half of business leaders, 40% say their data is too siloed to make any sense of it. Okay, so we've got some stats, we've got some facts. So the data's not very good. Yeah. say for the sake of argument I'm I don't know um I'm a bank I'm a big bank I'm HSBC right my data's going to be good enough surely it's got customer data people managing their finances if there if there was a problem with the data if your bank balance was wrong you'd be on the phone straight away and saying it wasn't right so I'm just trying to understand what the problem is is it the marketing isn't done right is that we haven't got insight like what's the what's the actual problem that we need to fix so data and data quality is such a massive area of where it can impact a business for good. Mm. So when you talk about your bank accounts, are people being hacked? Yes. Is that data breach? Yes. Is that due to data quality and data safety and the ability to move data and silo it safely or securely? Mm. Yes, that is a problem. People do get hacked every day. There are data breaches which can be affected by how you look and manage and look after your data, how much you have of it, where do you leave it, where is that data stored? Is it a legacy system that isn't necessarily required, but you only keep it because you're concerned about the data quality in your current systems, which means those legacy ones have to be kept running just in case you need to get back to them. I'm really worried this podcast is going to get really boring. We need to make sure we... I know, I know, I know. It's not... Hey, look, you know, data quality ain't sexy. How do you make data quality sexy? You don't. Look, you you hit the nail on the head. Data quality is not sexy. Hence why there's a big problem. CEOs, CMOs, CTOs turn off when they heard that word data quality. And I understand why. I really do. It's, it's, you know, to them, it's, well, that's not AI. That's not ML. That's not, you know, a big shiny new tin of sap that if it works, is going to make me look phenomenal. What some, not all, some don't realise if they don't get the data quality right, that shiny new object that's going to be really sexy and make a difference to their organisation won't work. I suppose the other problem with it is because it's not very sexy. Let's say you do put all of your time and energy into fixing the data and making it. Imagine standing up at the board meeting and go, I've got 100% data quality. And everybody look at you like, yeah, and, and what's in the lunch? Like, where's the sandwiches? Is there some more coffee? It's like, I've done, I've done this thing. But if they tie it into... We've got 100% data quality. That means we are targeting the right customers with the right marketing messages and our emails aren't bouncing. We've improved revenue by 40, 50%. Then they stop and stop using ah, the Show me the money, the revenue. How do you fix it? How do you fix this problem? It's like all problems. It's the right people with the right processes and the right tools to fix the problem. Like any other problem, how do you fix your 
your house. You make sure you get an architect who produces the right plans to put the right process in place for a builder to then come along and build whatever you want, building or fixing or sorting out. Mm. And then you maintain it either yourself or get someone else in to do that for you. So it's like any problem in the world. Data quality is a problem that is easily fixed if you bring in the right people, if you have the right processes, and if you have the right tooling. And you can, in some scenarios, combine all three, and it won't be any surprise to know that we as a business do that. Or you can bring in people who teach you how to fish, for want of a better word, of which, again, you can do by ourselves or other consultancies. I'm guessing you know, the bigger the organisation, the bigger the data. No quality. guessing, Becky. We have certainty in this world. Data certainty, no guessing. Thank you very much. Not on this podcast. <laughs> That's too bloody serious. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm HSBC again. Um, Christ, you're HSBC all the time. You go on. Oh, okay. I'll change. I'll be the Bank of England. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be a bank. No, we can't, we can't do Bank of England. So we work with the Bank of England. No, no. Let's move on. Another company. Okay, I'm going to be. Um, I am going to be Revolut. Okay. I'm going to be a sexy fintech brand. Yeah. Have I got a data scientist? Have I got a team of? 10, 20, 50 data scientists, like what What do I need? What do I need? Do I just need to hire a few people, get some tools, Bob's your uncle? So I don't know who Bob's uncle is, but he sounds like a nice chap. But in reality, it's if, if you've got a team of data scientists, they don't want to do data preparation. Mm. We talked about it earlier. They do not see, again, data prep, data quality as sexy. Okay. You've got a choice. You can either bring in tools to speed up that process for them, so they don't find it as painful. And there are products out there. I think there's a really good one called iData somewhere. Oh, you can't, this isn't a sales pitch. But it is. <laughs> you can't do it. Nobody will listen. If you keep selling your product, nobody will listen to my podcast. Pitt will cut you out anyway. No, you won't. I'll pay him a tenner. <laughs> But the point is, you've got to allocate someone who's going to do this, either be an advocate or colligate it or or whatever you want to put in place. You need someone who's going to govern the process. Right. That can be a data scientist. It can be a data engineer. But it's got to be someone that you put the flag in the sand and goes, I'm going to make sure that we put in these processes that will get out the objective of having data quality at the end of it. You have to have someone to do that because otherwise... It's like reading a book. Unless you put it into practice what you've read, that knowledge is worthless because mm. you're not using it. And you will forget it over time. Like marketing. I'm sure you have marketing books that you've read over time and you've probably forgotten half the information you've learnt because you've not used it in practice. Quite possibly. That's a yes. <laughs> we need certainty on these podcasts. You and your certainty. Okay, so look... This sounds to me like actually it's relatively simple to fix then. So you're an enterprise organization, you have an internal champion who's your CTO, your chief data officer, whoever it is. You've got a team of people, data scientists and other people. You select some tools, you fix your data. You know that 20 to 30% of it goes wrong every year, but those people fix it and it's fine. So why is this topic of like I've kind of appreciate I invited you on this podcast to talk about this but why is this a conversation again why can't we just fix it and then get on with the sexy stuff so like we just said you especially the world has changed over covid and other pandemics you know we've become very digitally driven and the intake of data has increased multiple times than what it was Mm. as you bring in more and more data 
the increased risk of bad data getting in because we are humans and humans do make mistakes when they input things or when they put things on forms or when they update a system to do with a call that they just had due to customer service because everything's now online. It builds up the problem. Now, what you can do is get your system to a point where the data quality is good and then you can have a system in the background monitoring it that flags up to your data governor or your data advocate or your data sponsor when these mistakes happen and they can recorrect them and you can automate the process. You will never ever solve data quality. You can only maintain it and keep up with it. Okay. Because it's ever-changing landscape. You're going to fix everything. All the world's issues with data. Everything is data. There's even data on you as a human being. There's data on the table that I've got this laptop sat on. There's data points about the chair I'm sitting on. Everything now is data documented. And if it's gonna, if it turns into bad quality data, we will start making bad decisions. Mm. Great example, COVID, good old Boz, and the government you know, started at the beginning not being able to ingest the data and analyze that data properly because they were getting A, poor data, but the way they were structuring and holding it wasn't correct either. They gave false information to the general public and the general public didn't like it and didn't respond well to it. And actually in the end, didn't trust it. Mm. And without that trust with the government, they can implement changes or sanctions. Once they started proving that they could ingest that data better and reflect and show it and the data quality was good, then people started listening and the country started to turn around the situation with COVID. Whereas other countries, without naming any, were unable to do that and were behind the UK on the curve. And we've come out stronger than most nations around the world due to the fact we've got a good handle on data quality and data ingestion and data analysis. That was all in one breath. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Very impressed indeed. So look, you and I obviously know one another. We work together through BHMP. Okay, we'll we'll talk about data quality in a real life scenario that you'll know about recently. Go on then. So we have a marketing requirement. It is given over to yourself, BHP, to deliver a brochure or a manual or a transcript to do with what we need as a business. Mm. What we've told you is data. We've gone, blah, 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 blah. We need X, Y, and Z. Please deliver. True. You go away. You create the document. You send it back. We go, that's not what we want. You go, this is what you've given us. This is the email. And due to us not giving you the right information in the first place, data the delivery that's come back isn't fit for purpose. Mm. We give you more information that goes back to you. That is a waste of time and it's not going back to what we need to implement quickly. Therefore, it's not efficient, it's not costly. Mm. That's data. It's a very good real life example of why that process doesn't work. So, you know, the nature of the conversation that you and I generally have is less about can you make me this brochure and more about we want to hit 5 million 10 million revenue we want to hit 100 million valuation how do we get to it and that's a much better conversation because you're talking about the right sort of information the data needs to drive it but you're starting with that information output and if that data is bad data we will start making bad decisions. We'll get rid of suppliers that we shouldn't be getting rid of. We'll be mm. not working with partners that potentially are better than others, but we're not getting the right data and all the quality of data isn't being kept up to date to ensure that we are. Mm. So there's so many knock-on effects, but 
no one's or not a lot of people doing anything about it but those who do by the way will be way ahead of the game amazon great example come biggest company in the world is a data company this is true they know how to process data they know how to ingest it they have good quality processes what percentage data quality do you reckon they've got finger in the air amazon's data it's gonna be a long finger give me one second oh don't google it My honest answer is I don't know what Amazon's data quality is like, but I do know they are ahead of the field when it comes to looking at data quality because they reference it quite a bit. Mm. And for them to where they are, they must have a certain level of data quality or else they wouldn't be able to do as well as they're doing. Yeah, I mean, if you have the wrong stuff delivered to your house, just going back to a very basic Amazon example, you know, you'd be complaining, you know, and that doesn't happen. The reason people use Amazon is because, you know, oh, I need dog food tomorrow morning three clicks dog food arrives done okay, i'll give you a good, good good example recently james Brears, the other co-founder of ids ordered some dog food go on it ended up at my father-in-law's house why because he must have whatever reason put in a order it must have you know how does the autofill sometimes from google yeah. it must have whatever reason because we were living at the um, cottage in the grounds and it must have just also asked to turn two together, confirm the other, off it went. And I got a phone call from the mother-in-law saying, I've got some dog food for your business partner. <laughs> so the CTO of a data quality company has has entirely failed. Well, he's failed in the fact that the, the process that he used to order dog food didn't take data quality into full consideration. And therefore, it didn't marry up and go, James Brears, wrong address, send out. And again, you know, it's cost James X amount for the dog food because he's not got that. And Lindsay and Richard have gained by getting free dog food and fed their dogs. So did Lindsay and Richard keep, keep the dog food? Yeah, James very kindly said because it's, it's not raw food and it's not freezable food. So you've got to eat it within the next three days. And therefore, James living two hours away, it wasn't cost effective to drive over to pick up the food to go back. It's a good job they had a dog. Exactly. <laughs> From your perspective, can you just explain a little bit about what your understanding was of venture marketing and why you signed up to it? Because we are a firm that's looking to grow and scale, but we are still in our young journey, so we've only been going seven years, the idea of working with someone who understands a venture marketing model means they understand the pains of a company that's trying to grow. Risk versus reward. Correct. There's the alignment there. If you win, we win. Partnership, completely. It also helps from a cash flow perspective because obviously we pay less if you don't succeed, but we pay more if you do. But if we're succeeding, it means you've succeeded. So it's, again, risk and reward result there. It's very difficult as a starting out company to get people to understand what you want to achieve from a marketing goal because it's so hard to gauge the ROI back on it. Mm. It's not that easy. Apart from saying, we want to achieve this revenue, how do we get there and has marketing contributed towards it and having those clear defined goals. And I still don't think the model's quite there. I think it, it's it's working 
it's got progress to work better and it is a good model for companies like ours mm-hmm. but like anything it's a journey and you go on it together and you, you you come to a resolution that works for all parties and that's how it works i'm sure many podcasts have heard of gary v on linkedin oh, and that God, don't. <laughs> yeah. but, but they have they have you know yeah. it's you know, the, the modern day youngster or expiring marketing executive will have heard of him. Mm. He wouldn't be right for us. It just wouldn't be aligned. The expectations would be different. I'm not saying he wouldn't understand where we're coming from, but it wouldn't be the right for us. And we needed, or we need, and we, and we do get this from BHP currently, is that alignment of what we're trying to get done. <laughs> Okay, so tell me about tell me about the future. So IDS has got a, a solution. You've got some tools. You've got a methodology. You've got an approach. You understand about the importance of data quality. What does the future look like? Having a nice bottle of wine with Elon Musk on planet Mars, talking about how to solve the data quality issues on Mars. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I think I think I think I think where we're we're trying to get to is a point where. Globally, organisations who buy into what we're doing have data certainty, which creates data trust within their organisations, which means at board level, all the way down, everybody believes in what they're trying to achieve through data. Job done. Job done. It's as easy as that. As I sit here smugly laughing to myself of what a challenge we have ahead. (laughs) And then you can retire on your farm with your pigs and your sheep and your goats. Are you having goats? Hell no. Look, you know, this. I'm, I'm, I'm Clarkson to a certain point, but not all the way. It's interesting because you as a business owner, myself as a business owner, and talking to other business owners, we all have plans of what we want to achieve. Mm. And how we're going to get there is a... It's, everyone's different. Their, their route to exit is always different, always unplanned. What is very similar, it's full of ups and downs, and I know you can't see my fingers wandering up and down on the podcast, but... We are all going to have good days and bad days, easy days, tough days, big wins, big losses. It's part and parcel of it. But what I do know is if you have good data, data certainty, data trust, however you want to badge it up, parcel it as a marketing thing, you'll definitely get to your end of route quicker, easier and faster by having that data quality in place. So what is the end goal? making a lot more people happier because they'll actually achieve what they want to achieve in life. So data quality is happiness. Data quality equals happiness. There you go. It's not sexy, but it will make you happy. Yeah. I think that's probably Nobody a said money is the root of all evil. Doesn't have any. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I hope we have managed to make data quality sound teeny weeny little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure it's sexy, but um, we've managed to laugh while we're talking about data quality, which has got to be a good thing. Yeah, it's it's a serious topic, but it's it, it can be fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Do, do we get discount off the next invoice then? <laughs> How much do you want? <laughs> Cool, it's fine. <laughs> See, a client that doesn't ask for a discount. Please know, everybody, this is the way yeah. to be. It's just all yeah. about the love. All it's about, all about the, love. the love. It's the love and the trust and the lunch. Exactly. Exactly that.
much wraps it up for this episode of the Noble Idea Cast. Join me next time when I'll be talking with Alex Draper, founder and president of Chicago-based DX Learning, about leadership in the marketing function and the great resignation. Alex has also promised to shine a light on my own leadership style. What on earth could possibly go wrong? The Noble Marketing Ideacast is brought to you by BHP. We're creative venture marketeers helping clients with purpose transform their results and not their Instaglow. Find out more. Visit our website at bhandp.com. That's B H A N D P.com. Or follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you to our producer, the highly talented Chris Atterey. Till next time, I'm Becky Hollett. Thanks for listening. <laughs>